0: Hey, all you Theociples! I'm Michael. And I'm Brendan from Finding Christ in Cinema. You are listening to the Theonauts Podcast with your hosts, David and Jeremiah. Right here at GCTNetwork.com. Your Great Commission,
1: Transmission. The Theonauts, episode 88.
0: The one where, oh, Job, it's so depressing. The
1: Theonauts Podcast. <laughs> Christian news from around the globe. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Explore the vast reaches of God's Word. Hello, all you Theo sons of gods out there or God out there. It's not <laughs> Sons of One God. Sons of
0: three persons, David.
1: Yes. Sorry, go ahead. You <laughs> you were saying. You you Bene Elohim. <laughs> I'll put it in the Hebrew terms. Isn't so it
0: Beni Elohim? Uh, something like that. Bene, Benji. Ben Beni. Benji, like the little
1: dog. Benji. Yeah, what's your name? <laughs> I'm David Gaddy. I'm Jeremiah Orr, and together we are the, the Theonauts. Theonauts. We're not Ben-I Elohim, actually.
0: No, that's that's like that would be angels. angels. But, yeah. it's, but it's
1: but the sons. Of God. We're going to
0: talk about the Ben-I Elohim. In yeah, that's bit.
1: the that's why I said that. But oh, I get
0: it. <laughs> Ding, Lord, just struck my brine. It's right. So, what's happening with you? Oh.
1: Um, little of this, little of that. It's been a crazy week so far. Yeah, yeah. I've been like snowed under with work and all kinds of stuff. I'm on spring break. Yeah. Oh, starting tonight. Really? Yeah. I thought that was next week.
0: Uh, well, I mean, I don't have school tomorrow.
1: Oh, really? So you like spring break?
0: Yeah. Pre spring break. Pre spring break. And then get this: we get back and Friday, I have Good Friday off. Yes, and then Monday after Easter, just just because it's after Easter, so I get a four day weekend.
1: Wow, weekend. Yeah. is that the benefits of a uh, Christian a private b- school?
0: <laughs> a private school that, and Christian I get to school? spank my student.
1: I'm joking. I don't <laughs> get to spank my <laughs> students. But that'd be great if I could. Some of them, especially today. Yeah, well, they, all they have to do is you know yeah. speak truth, and they won't have to. Uh,
0: yeah, I had you know to deal with that. I had uh, uh, parent teacher conferences today. Yeah. yeah, And that went okay? Why is little Johnny failing class? Well, he doesn't do anything. <laughs> oh, well, what can you do? No, not what I, What can you do? That's not... None of that happened, but... Nice.
1: It's like, why Why are you hitting my child?
0: Yes. Because he's an idiot. No, that's so bad. I'm joking. I kid. I kid, man. Yeah, do you want... Your- <laughs> I am teaching your children? <laughs> I'm... I'm I'm the favorite teacher. I'm telling you. So, anyways. Oh man.
1: Well, <sighs> I need to get some business out of the way. All right, dude. I, I got. I got. Uh, we had some bad feedback uh, from the last episode. I mean, I, that I want to uh, address a little bit. It's about time, by the way. Well, yeah. I mean, we've had eighty-three episodes. Well, no, wait a minute. I was corrected on my pronunciation of Corey Ten Boom's name. <laughs> Bloom, you mean? <laughs>
0: yeah, you'd think we'd get a lot. You'd think we'd be shut down by now, but okay.
1: oh yes. But we did get some <laughs> feedback from the last show, stating concerns about how we've handled how we handled the hymns that we didn't like. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just want to make clear that it was not the intentions of our show to make fun of or to denigrate anyone living or dead. Our concerns with the hymns that we chose to speak on still stand, though. Uh, Also, to be clear, we do not consider the concerns we raised to be frivolous, nor were we correcting the hymns just for fun of it. It it is, in our opinion, that the hymns that we took issue with are not just poorly worded, but in many instances they oppose the very values that Jesus and the apostles taught us concerning love, grace, salvation, contentment, judgment, and greed— And to raise these concerns, we approached it with a lighthearted, in a lighthearted manner, which was construed to be mean or disrespectful. Well, the alternative would have been for us to outright rebuke these things uh, in a possibly harsh or more direct manner. And we chose to laugh a little with it and keep it light and entertaining. And perhaps that was an error in judgment. And if so, we do apologize for the manner in which the message was received. Our intentions were to point out the bad theology found in these songs in the hope that people will actually think about the lyrics they are singing, especially in a setting where the intention is to praise and honor our Father, right? Uh, We must ask ourselves if these lyrics that we are singing actually serve Him or our own selfishness or our own desires to know why our lives seem so bad to us. The scriptures teach selflessness and contentment, so let's prepare to quote unquote throw our trophies down at Jesus' feet, because quote whatever our lot, He has taught us to say, it, it is, is well with, with my soul. soul. Amen. So, <sighs> I mean, I hate that that some people took you know offense to how we handled, how we presented it, but I, I just want to make sure everyone knows that. There's clearly bad theology in these songs and issues that I believe needed to be addressed. And so
0: it happened. Right. And the same goes for me. I, You know, we <clears throat> there was a reason we did that podcast. Uh, and we could very well do the same thing, not just with hymns, but with... Praise and worship the songs of today. So, oh, yeah, you know, the point for me, the big thing is
1: devotionals, books. I mean, we could go on and on. There's good and bad on all this stuff.
0: And again, not that we were trying to poke or make fun of any person, Mm
1: -hmm. that
0: wasn't our goal. Our goal was to point out error in theology in hymns. Hymns are not sacred. So, if we are in this, is my belief. Hymns are not sacred. And so, if we are poking fun at hymns, we are not being blasphemous in any way. Right. I'm sorry. Uh, that's not <laughs> blasphemy. Look up the definition of blasphemy. Anyways. So, um, that being said, I didn't, our intention was not to offend anyone. We care about our listeners right? very much. Yes. And we want our and listeners to know. Honestly,
1: enjoy. we did get some good feedback too. That's right. Um, and I'm. You Know, out of respect for everybody, I'm not going to read any of it, I'm not going to put any of it on the show or anything like that. Sure, good or bad, okay. but it was we, we did get some really good feedback. Um, so but anyway, we just want to make sure that we don't want to hurt anybody, and that's right. that's kind of you know, if, if that's what you heard, then you know, we're, we're sorry for that, yeah. But I, I, I I would hate that the message got lost, right? Because there was an important message absolutely in there. And I mean, it's, I, I, honestly, when you stop and think about it, you know, can you really sit there and back to back sing farther along? And it is well with my soul. <laughs> it's impossible. because they say the right, the opposite. They right. don't even say the same things. Right? Someone's lying. Someone's wrong.
0: Right?
1: Okay. So absolutely, just think about what, what we're what we're singing, and uh, that's true. And let's go from there. <laughs> so, you ready to dive into this thing? Oh, yeah.
0: Okay. Job. It's my favorite book in the Bible.
1: Yes. Jobs.
0: <laughs> Jobs. <laughs>
1: That's
0: so funny. Oh
1: man, there is so much to talk about in this. In this, um, I mean, how how in the world are we even
0: going to get through this? in, a, in well, it's podcast? only forty two chapters.
1: Yeah. So, <laughs> well, um, the the thing that we want to do with with this is I want to just kind of do an overview, and this is not, we're not going to dive too deep into any one part of this, right? Um, this is about lessons that we can learn from the book of Job. Right. And, uh, there's just, there's a lot of lessons, actually. There's a lot of weird stuff in here, things that we don't get a lot of coverage on through the rest of the scriptures.
0: Things that, things that we've kind of just overshadowed because we don't maybe understand a whole lot or things that, I mean, just shock us a little bit, like, uh the whole prologue to this book which I'd like to talk a little bit about it's yeah definitely, definitely but you know <laughs> this this book definitely co- covers some uh, thematic elements that I think one of the biggest questions in all um of all time why do bad things happen to good people? This, right. This is the book, right? And we
1: talked about that. I mean, just like a couple of episodes ago. That's and, right. And that seems to be a recurring theme. It keeps coming up in in uh, in this. And it, it, I guess it's on our brain, and so subconsciously picking <laughs> things that are.
0: We're so yeah. <laughs> But I mean, and
1: even with uh, the last episode on on the hymns, because we did address things about asking why, and farther along we'll understand why, and that sort of thing. Sure, and that's things that Job struggled with too. And there are things in here in that are very important to watch how Job handles this. Because I gotta be honest, growing up, my level of theology on this was not good. Like because the sermons I heard. The sermons I heard never dove into this book in any depth. Right. What I always heard and what I understood of Job until I became a student of this stuff was that uh, Job you know refused to curse god and die you know that that all these bad things <laughs> right, happened to him yeah. but he stood strong he didn't he didn't sin and satan lost the bet and that's and, not <clears throat> that's not the point of this story at all correct in fact it's not even actually correct it's not correct because yes job didn't sin with his mouth in in the way that uh, he did not curse god
0: but he was still. He became angry with God. But he
1: became bitter, yeah. very bitter, and he and he. Uh, part of it's a fault of his friends, right? But because they,
0: <laughs> yeah, for three times over, they kept telling him, "You've done something wrong, Job. You've done something wrong." Got three man. guys harping on <laughs> That's you.
1: That's right, <laughs> and and they do incite him. Right. I mean, he gets fired up, and mm-hmm. he actually is responding to their accusations. In many, and he overstates his own position with God. Right. Uh, all throughout it and um and and he's he's he is you know taken to to task on the things that he actually said right. and that to me this book is about humbling yourself before the almighty that's what this book is about mm. from i mean we we say it's about suffering it's about humbling yourself before god it just happens in the setting yeah. Of suffering. Yeah. Well, and
0: that brings me to... Okay, so I think we ought to start out by looking at the historical background, like where this book came from to begin with, um, why it's in our Bible, uh, what in the world's going on here with that. Um, so historically, <laughs> if we look at the historical background... um, Go for it. Between the 7th and 4th century BCE, it was written. It's actually... The oldest book of the Bible. Yeah, it's the first. Okay, so a lot of which, people. What, yeah,
1: I want to to clarify what that means. Right. It does not mean that Job took place prior to Adam. That's right. It does not mean that Job took place, you know, before Genesis. That's right. Which some it, people have gotten that confused.
0: Yeah, what it means is that Job was written before Moses wrote down the Pentateuch. Root. which is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Correct. Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Correct. Job was written before that. And it also means, this is something that's really interesting, Job as a character, he was not an Israelite. And a lot of people m- misunderstand that. They don't get that. He wasn't from an Israelite era. He right. was before the Israelites. Correct. He was before Abraham.
1: Yes, okay. so most people put him somewhere in the time frame between Babylon, I mean uh, uh, the Tower of Babel, and the time when Abraham's called out. Right. Sometime in that...
0: And we have a really interesting um, parallel passage. Ezekiel 14 gives us a little understanding of Job. Have you ever done that study? Have you looked at that? Uh, maybe. It's okay. Remind me. <laughs> so it's really cool. So of course Ezekiel God's God's telling uh Ezekiel how um you know Israel Israel's going to be doomed and destroyed and all this mm-hmm. right and um and then he starts repeating himself on this he, God goes on this tangent uh hold on real quick and let me find it's really cool sorry my mind's been gone all day so I'm gonna find this in just a second
1: but and it is 10 o'clock at night our time that's, that's right Jordan Ezekiel chapter
0: like, 14 um is uh job is mentioned with two other people um see if I can where are you oh my goodness I know you're there somewhere basically what he says is this: Even if, uh, oh my gosh, I can't find it. We'll come back to it. Anyways, my point was that uh, Ezekiel was, or not Ezekiel, Job was this kind of famous person, Mm -hmm. okay, that a lot of people ascribed a ton of righteousness to, okay? So this story might have been passed down, passed down, passed down to Moses, okay? And Moses... I think the Israelites ascribe, most Jews ascribe Job to Moses. Actually, mm-hmm. they say that Moses wrote it, but he heard it from a you know a different source. Gotcha. So this is a famous story that was passed down to Moses, and that's why you have some really interesting characters at the beginning of of the story.
1: And, um, well, I know that some some historically believe that Job himself wrote the book. Right. um, however, uh and some of the things that, that I think we'll, we'll talk about, um i I doubt that in my in my understanding of the book okay and uh, i'll I'll explain why I think that when we get near the end of it, but go ahead,
0: I found it, okay, verse fourteen, <laughs> Ezekiel fourteen starting in verse fourteen, mm-hmm. even though these three men, Noah, Daniel, not Daniel, yeah, Daniel. And Job were in its midst by their own righteousness. They could only deliver themselves, declares the Lord. If I were to cause wild beasts to pass through the land and they depopulated it and it became desolate so that no one would pass through it because of these three beasts, though these three men were in its midst, as I live, declares the Lord, they could not deliver either their sons nor their daughters. Okay. So, um, obviously God, uh, these people, Held up these three men in high regard. Noah, this guy named Daniel, which is not to be confused with the Daniel of the Bible in Babylon, right? Okay. This is a different Daniel. This is Daniel, and these are all. Pre- well, Daniel and
1: Ezekiel were somewhat contemporary. Right, they were so,
0: contemporary. Yeah. These three guys were held up as standards of righteousness. Mm-hmm. Noah,
1: mm-hmm. we
0: all know Noah. Noah found faith or grace in the eyes of the Lord. He was, un- he kept himself un. Unspotted, right? Then we have Daniel, uh, which is this other guy that um, people ascribe righteousness to. The king of Tyre ascribes righteousness to him, and then you have, uh, and then you have Job. So these guys were pre. What I'm getting at is the they they were pre-Palestinian, or I'm sorry, pre- pre-patriarch patriarch. Right, yeah characters that were ascribed some kind of righteousness. So Job is an ancient story, and that's what I'm trying to get at. And it's really interesting to me that the story, the most ancient, centers around a guy who basically God allows horrible things to happen to. (laughs) Right? Right. So this is a huge... like a huge thing because this is one of the first things that God wants to show us I mm-hmm, think mm-hmm. about himself. This is one of the biggest revealing character books about the character of who yes, God is. Yes. And so in it and it's pre it dates pre-Moses. So got to <laughs> think about that. It's pretty cool. Anyways, so um yeah, between 7th and 4th centuries BC, probably 6th century. So um it's 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 a definitely it's a weird story because he's he's obviously he knows god right but he's not a chosen one he's a he's pre-patriarch right this
1: is before that right. and and the the characters in the story um they know god right and at least they have an idea about what god expects and what god is all right. about um, and they
0: do sacrifices Mm-hmm. But I mean, I think I think they also but that do. predated
1: uh, the Mosaic Law. Exactly.
0: So. so, what are they doing sacrifices too? And I think some of them are doing sacrifices to other gods too. Mm. So, anyways, it's interesting. Well, things.
1: let's look at. Um, let's first off one of the interesting things that happens is that we are uh, we have this this divine council of sorts. Yes. That is happening in the first chapter. I love that. Yeah. <clears throat> and it's one of the brief glimpses into the works of, of the workings of the heavenly of the heavenlies that we don't know much about. Right. Right. And so we don't know how much of this is True uh, is, is no. right, is actual, um literal, you know. Uh there's there's obviously some discussion between God and these angels. Yeah. And there is um and there is a challenge. Uh, that is made by the one that most translations are going to refer to as Satan.
0: Satan. Capital S, Satan.
1: Yeah. In the Hebrew, it's actually the same word, uh, only it is a lowercase. It means opponent. It means... um, um, Accuser. Right. It is capitalized usually when there is an article attached to it. Right. So, the Satan.
0: Um, Now, in Job, is it... The article,
1: um, it appears to be. It's it's hard to tell in the translation. I mean the uh, the version that I've got here, but uh, it looks like the word uh, is the arch enemy of good, the adversary, uh, Satan. But yeah, we, you and I, we were talking about this. Is is this the same guy that in Revelation twelve is the great dragon? You know, is it the same angel, is it not, or is it just simply an angel who is accusing right. at this particular time?
0: Right, and I, I take the stance that it's an angel, and it's not actually Satan. Um, and the, the reason I take that stance, also, I take that stance as looking at this as an allegory. I think this is allegorical.
1: You don't think the book of Job is historical?
0: I think I think the I think the, I think there was a historical job who lived and I think that he had the, that encounter with God but I think the and this is where I can be Okay so this is just me thinking and I don't know I, I don't know anything so nobody get offended by this <laughs> especially my literal brothers of scripture and I'm very literal when it comes to most a lot of scripture mm-hmm. but on this one I think that the pre the the uh, the prologue was not literal. I think they're giving a reason. Okay. Why this stuff's happening?
1: I, I'm I'm gonna just say without any debate, I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> no, the main the main reason why I say that is because of this. There's a lot of science in this book, like science that was unknown oh, yeah, to the right. ancient scientific community. Right, yeah. right, the people of science during this era could not have known some of the stuff that's in this book. Right, this book is chock full. It is the it is a cool science book, like the, And it's not just Job says things. That he has no business knowing. Right. Um, but then God appears in the whirlwind, and we'll get to this in a little bit. God appears in the whirlwind, and he starts spouting a bunch of stuff really fast. Like
0: stars and all this yeah, stuff. Yeah, and he
1: starts saying, hey, I was here when... I, where were you when I did this, this, and this, and that? And he actually starts making very sound scientific statements that that uh, we didn't even know until like even the past couple of hundred years. Okay, right. so with that in mind, here's what I have to I have to see in this is that there is a there is a real thing happening. Sure, that God is really speaking this stuff. Okay, so if God is really speaking this stuff, I have to take it into the context the story actually happened. Right. So, I mean, I don't think it's a I don't think it's just an allegory meant to give us a life lesson. I think that there is an actual encounter with God. That, that gave us truths that cannot be explained.
0: Sure. Other, and I can go with that. Time. And I think that there was an encounter with God. Don't get me wrong. I just think that the beginning of this was allegorical. The And this is the reason I believe that. If we look at history, especially uh, ancient uh, um, Semitic history, mm-hmm. and, and you go back to these tribes before, Um, before the patriarchy, okay? Um, When a king, and this was just known fact, okay? So when a king held council, he had all his advisors come and make accusations, accusings, Mm -hmm. and he would advise on these things. He would hold court, okay? So we have this (laughs) picture of God holding court Mm -hmm. with the angels. Now, what I know about God, God doesn't hold court with angels. I, I don't think that God holds court with angels. He doesn't need angels' advice for anything. That's
1: you, you need to read some of Brian Godawa's books. Okay, because I mean it's fiction, <laughs> right? But but he he takes a he takes a literal stance with this stuff, right? And he, and he's got some really good reasoning why God is doing this and okay. why God is 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 actually taking counsel it's not that he's it's not that he's supplanting his authority in any way shape or form, but that it is about um that it is about him being a fair judge and that sort of thing sure so that he's that he's showing his goodness through this process.
0: Right. And th- that, again, is the whole purpose of this, was to show a characteristic of God. That's right. the reason I, I think this book was even written, that, that God well, allowed all this to happen. And and like of that.
1: And once again, this is just pure speculation on Godawa's part. But sure. like in Enoch, he wrote the, the book this book uh, mm-hmm. called uh, Enoch Primordial. Right. And I, th- I believe that's what it's called. Um, no, that's the Noah... Uh, well, it's one of those. Enoch Somebody primeval. Primeval. <laughs> yeah. Brian's probably listening. And he was like, dude, you're messing up all my books, whatever. They're great books. <laughs> yeah. But but anyway, um, in the Enoch book, um, he has this whole situation. You know, Enoch in the Bible is taken up into the heavens. Right. And never heard from again right, right. Uh, but
0: the book of enoch describes all the the angels and stuff yeah they
1: act, not to be confused with the gadawa book but with
0: the actual book of enoch the,
1: the yeah the, the which ancient jesus Hebrew, jesus actually not jesus uh,
0: jude jude quote the
1: ancient uh book of of enoch talks about his travels through right the heavens but he doesn't give any details about what he did while he was there yeah Okay, so there's speculation on Godala's part about why God took him and what and what he was his purpose was, and his his theory is that um, he 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 wanted Enoch to be the arbiter, like to be the lawyer for uh, the angels that had that had sinned, and so so
0: wait a second. <laughs> So
1: Enoch is is the defense for the angels? Yes. Well, why and and so um, the whoa. So okay. Well, the, well, that blows my mind. In the storyline that yeah. uh, that Godawa wrote, there is an accusation being made against mankind by the Satan in these heavenly councils that we're reading about here in Job. Yeah. And uh, and so he brings Enoch up. As the counter to the Satan. Okay, gosh. Gotcha. Okay, so it, and so it's not God against Satan. God's the the judge. God's the God, right? So right. So he's 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 not you know arguing against Satan. He's letting Satan have his sure has have his whole argument, but he's letting Enoch be the the arbiter against the Satan. So anyway. We're way off topic, we but. are,
0: but this is interesting <laughs> stuff here,
1: but 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 it does, but I can see, I guess what I'm saying is I can see a literal understanding of this, and it makes sense to me, okay. so I, I so it doesn't I don't have to explain it away or anything. Right. I mean, I can I can see the literal understanding of it.
0: The other thing for me, if this is literal, I don't think this is actually Satan himself because I think Satan's on Earth during this time. He's not going up to counsel with God. God has cast him down and away. So I don't believe that he has... But still, any... a
1: lot of that stuff is speculation on our part, because we don't get a complete picture of what happened with a war in heaven and, the, right. and all that. I mean, a lot of that we get out of the Revelation, and we get out of Ezekiel, and we get out of Isaiah. We don't even know if Lucifer is the same guy We often equate them, sure. You know, because of what Lucifer says. We don't even know if Lucifer's a name, but if If we hear Jesus, Lucifer just means the morning star, right? But we
0: hear Jesus say, "I saw Satan cast down." So for me, I think Satan was cast down. I don't think he was in there. So for me, and the word "accuser," this word "Satan," the accuser is used several times in Scripture, not Mm -hmm. always talking about. Satan himself Right Not always Just like Elohim Is used several times Not always talking about God Right They're They're Different terms So I think this could be God talking to His angels And saying You know What do you think About this And one of the angels Is like Yeah but God See If they You know And it's not like This angel Has any mean Idea But God's you know, God's like, okay, I'm going to prove this to you. Go and do that.
1: Well, and there's also a lot of th- of thought that the angels were very... Some of the angels were were very jealous of God's yeah. relationship with man. Right. And the, a, a second creation right. that he actually is willing to sacrifice for and, right. and all this sort of thing. And so that could be playing in sure. here as well. I mean, Absolutely. a lot of the accusation that happens is, hey, this guy's only with you because you've given him everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but I think the biggest thing about uh, the, if, you know, if we look at the the passage, Job 1, uh, verse 6 through 12, we get this, we get the the, the, the setting of this divine council. Right. Uh, I'll just go ahead and read it. It says, now there was a day when the sons of God, that's B'nai Elohim, came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. "'The Lord said to Satan, "'From where have you come?' "'Satan answered the Lord and said, "'From going to and fro on the earth "'and walking up and down on it.' "'And the Lord said to Satan, "'Have you considered my servant Job, "'that there is none like him in the earth, "'a blameless and upright man who fears God "'and turns away from evil?' Mm. "'And then Satan answered the Lord and said, "'Does Job fear God for no reason?' Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You've blessed the works of his hands and possessions have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your hand. Only against him do not stretch out your hand, Uh, meaning his physical body. Right. Don't touch him personally. Yeah. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. So whether this is the Satan that we constantly think of, or whether or not this is just an accusing angel, is kind of irrelevant in the. Oh, in, it's in, totally irrelevant in the storyline. I just
0: think it's interesting. What happens is is a, <laughs>
1: is a challenge is being thrown down, thrown down, and it is also interesting to note that the Lord was the one who kind of started this thing. Yeah you know he's he's like hmm have you considered
0: right and that was that's one of my biggest points this is god's thing mm-hmm. what he's what he's wanting to accomplish through this book is to show people his nature You're right that's it's his thing this isn't something that's like oh well okay we'll do this and not only that god isn't putting job on trial i don't think
1: no no i don't think so at all in
0: fact i think if anything God's putting himself on trial.
1: Yes. It, it, well, it's because you're right. It is to make a point about right. his, uh, it's, it's, it's about uh, how do people react? That's <laughs> and, and that is, uh, do this is such an apl- applicable book oh, to yeah. our lives because there's t- so much suffering and a lot of us, very few of us can actually look at this book and go, yep, I've been there. This right. this dude went through <laughs> like some crazy stuff.
0: Oh yeah. Okay. So let's get let's yeah, get l- to let's
1: look at there in verse thirteen. It, it begins to tell us what exactly happens. It says, "Now there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. Partay. It's pot of time. And there came a messenger to Job." and said, The oxen were plowing, and the donkeys feeding beside them, and the Sabaeans fell on them, and took them, and struck down the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. And while he was yet speaking, there came another, and said, The fire of God fell from heaven, and burned up the sheep and the servants, and consumed them, and I alone escaped to tell you. Then Job arose tore his robe shaved his head fell on the ground and worshiped
0: I mean talk about a bad day <laughs> <laughs> And of course
1: here he here is his famous statement and he said naked oh, yeah. I came from my mother's womb naked shall I return the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away Blessed, Blessed be the name of the Lord Amen. and all this Job did not sin nor charge God with wrong <laughs> Okay so we have the initial suffering right that begins to happen it's a big deal and we often hear verses 21 22 I mean that we raised job job up with this right yep because he didn't sin at this point he didn't he he makes oh, a great statement yeah. you the know? Lord
0: gives the Lord takes away blessed be the name of the Lord and you know it's great to quote that until it actually happens to you yeah. but um you know we see this this picture of job being this perfect Martyr, yeah,
1: right. I mean, we get all these quotes that that we think of. Uh, Though he slay me, yet I will not. You know, and mm-hmm. and even here in uh, in the second chapter, of verse nine, then his wife said, "Do you still hold fast your integrity? Curse God and die." And he said to her, "You speak as one of the foolish women would speak. Shall we receive good from God, and shall we not receive evil? And all this, Job did not sin with his lips. So, yes." First two or three chapters, Job's a pretty good guy. Yeah, it's great. But we can't stop there. (laughs) Nope,
0: we gotta keep going.
1: (laughs) So the the real thing here is Job is having to deal with suffering. Right. And he's having to deal with it in a huge way. And he's having to deal with a dilemma. Because what he knows about God doesn't jive with what's happening in his life. And that is where the problems begin to... To tug at him, right. This isn't uh, an issue where he doesn't care about God anymore. It's not that he still loves God; he still respects God, but he but he begins to think about God in a little different light. Well,
0: yeah, okay. So up to up to this point, um, they they've been thinking about God with uh, ret- retributive justice, right? Correct. So this idea that if you do good, you'll be blessed. If you do bad, you'll be cursed. Right. Over and over again, and that's that's the thought. If you do good, you'll be blessed. If you do bad, you'll, you'll be cursed. And so Job's society fully believes that. So for the first time, Job's like, um, everything I've known about God, it's not making sense right now. Right. Okay. And uh, not only that, but the Israelite people, who this was really written to at the time, when Moses, I I don't know, I, I speculate Moses pulled it out. <laughs> Ret, retributive justice—that's what they believed. Yeah, do good, bless bad. That's why whenever the blind, or why they walk by the blind man and his disciples go, Jesus' disciples go,
1: who sinned? Yeah, him or his father. Him or his father. Oh, what? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And but that was the way that, that they did think, and and that is that is exactly uh, that's part of what's being taught yeah in this book, really right because it shows that job did not do anything to deserve this, although job is still not righteous in the sight of God, even though he thinks he is yeah so it's like we have you know don't want to be getting into moral subjectivity type of stuff, but our understanding of good is not the same as God's understanding of that's good. right and so. Our
0: righteousness is a filthy rags.
1: Correct. I mean, Isaiah. I mean, that's prior to Christ. He's telling us this. Right. right. And so, here we have have Job, uh, ready to die. He is sick of his. He he is in deep dark, uh, in the deep darkies. <laughs> deep darkies. Did <laughs> right. you great. see the visit the M Night shalomon Shalaman? Oh yeah yeah yeah. Visit just like the deep darkies it. you have to laugh to drive the deep yeah, darkies away. To drive the deep away. so anyway he's got the he's got this this darkness that is um, consuming that is, him that is see- seeking seeping into him yeah and uh he goes into this this funk okay um, and there is um, some friends who come and visit him now there's a, here's another life lesson because, yeah. how do you counsel friends who are suffering? <laughs> That's a big question.
0: Always keep on the bright <laughs> side of life. Yeah, everybody <laughs> sing along. Uh.
1: So it's like, how do you, how how do you, um, how do you deal with that? Especially if you haven't gone through it. And and trust me, no one had gone through <laughs> what Job just went through. I right. mean, he just lost everything, and he had a lot. Oh yeah. and uh, I mean yeah, but, it, but he lost his, he lost his entire lineage. in one fell swoop and one day everything's just gone. Gone, yep. Um, so as this is going on, first off, these guys are pretty decent counselors. In Job 2 verses 11 to 13, it says, "Now when Job's three friends heard of all this evil that had come upon him, they came each from his own place, Eliphaz the Timonite, Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Namah, Namahite. They made an appointment together to come to show him sympathy and comfort him. Right. And when they saw him from a distance, they did not recognize him. And they raised their voices and wept, and they tore the robes and sprinkled dust on their heads toward heaven. And they sat with him on the ground seven days and seven nights. And no one spoke a word to him, for they saw that his suffering was very great. Wow. Good job, guys. Too the, bad it didn't last. You should have
0: set Shiva for longer than that. Yes. And not not done you know, Yeah, the, the best thing that they could do mouth. is
1: just let him know. We're here for you. Yeah. If you need anything, we're here. And don't say anything. You don't have to say anything to give someone comfort. Right. I mean, all you have to do is let them know you care, and that you're there. And so, yes, as you mentioned, this is a practice in the Jewish culture called uh, sitting shiva.
0: Yeah, shiva. That's
1: so what... you 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 basically show up. You sit by their bedside. You sit on the floor with them. You you just hang out. And uh, less
0: or seven days, right? Like uh, it that. did
1: in this in this case. I, I think yeah. that's probably pretty standard. But um, you know the the thing is, we all have a lot of advice to give, don't we? <laughs> Man,
0: what you do is you keep silent and you sit there and you listen. And you know that's the best. People always wonder. Um, I've been a I've been a pastor. in am past, mm-hmm. and I've sat with people who've lost lost dear family members. Uh, you know, sitting with a kid whose mom. He walked in on forty years old. Mom walked in. She's she's dead in in the bathroom. Mm. Dead. and he finds her. You know he has wow. to call everybody. And so you know, sitting with those, what do you? The question is, what do you say? And the answer is, you don't say anything.
1: Yeah, you don't have to say God has a reason. You don't have to say, "Hey, look, uh, everything's gonna be okay." You you don't have to say. Hey, I know what you're going through. I've been there. Hey, I lost a, I lost a cat, you know, or whatever that you think equates to whatever it is they're going through. Because even if you've gone through the exact same thing that, right. that they're going through, you cannot equate with what they're feeling. That's right.
0: And so the best thing to do is to keep silent, put your arm around them, love them. And, and, you know, if they want to talk to you, let them talk. Yeah. But, you know, you don't have to say any profound thing in response. There's no
1: advice you can give. That's right. Nothing. Um the problem is these guys think they have a lot to say. They opened up their mouths. Uh, yes, beginning in Job four, we have these three guys begin to pontificate to Job, um, and and this goes on. By the way, yeah, for like almost twenty chapters. So, <laughs> by the way, in
0: Job three, I just want to Go bring ahead. us back to that. It's really this is Job's poem about wanting, wishing he was never born. Yes. Let the day perish on which I was born, and the night said, A man is conceived, let that day be darkness. May God above not seek it, nor light shine upon it. Okay, so anybody that thinks that Job just took it with the chin up mm. is greatly... No,
1: he wants to die. He
0: wants to die. He'd rather... He's he's asking God, why don't you just kill me? Or God, why didn't you just not make me in the first place? Yeah, why
1: bother? Why Why did you bother letting me be born? Right. Right. And that's kind of what we're... I wish in.
0: I was never born. If that's not, to me, if that's not our front to God, I don't know what is,
1: but that, yeah. that's and, just my thought. And, and it gets, and it gets, it builds, uh, and it's because of these guys. Right. Uh, Eliphaz, he speaks first, and his the point of his little sermon is that the innocent prosper. Yeah. So basically, if you are innocent, you would prosper. Right. This would not be happening to you. Um so, and of course, you can look at that in Job four, in Job, and now Job four and five, and Job six. Job um, responds by basically saying he's innocent and he wants to die. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> he just repeats, "Hey guys, I didn't do anything. I want to die."
1: Yep. And uh, Job seven, he's continuing to basically say, "My life has no hope in it. There's nothing. There's nothing to hope for in my life." Right. Which, okay, once again. We're starting to see despair going from, I want to die, to I have no hope at all. Like, I have no hope in God. I have no hope in anything. Right. Like, it's gone. It's been destroyed by yeah. what has happened to me. Um, Bildad speaks up and basically says, you've sinned. You've had to have sinned. You must repent. <laughs> uh, that's in, in chapter 8.
0: Right. So this is, by now, and Job's laid out like a three-act play. Mm-hmm. So by now we're in Act Two, right? This is the second round of accusations by these these idiot friends of his. Yeah, yeah.
1: So and, and so, uh, Job responds to Bill Dad. Um, see just a few verses here, where he says, uh, "How then?" And and part of the reason why I won't read his responses is because we're starting to get an idea of how Job is not only feeling, but how he's starting to feel about God. Right. Okay. Job 9, he's responding to Bildad. He says in verse 14, How then can I answer him, choosing my words with him? He's talking about God. Though I am in the right, I cannot answer him. I must appeal for mercy to my accuser. If I summoned him and he answered me, I would not believe that he was listening to my voice. For he crushes me with his tempest and multiplies my wounds without cause. He will not let me get my breath, but fills me with bitterness. Wow. He fills me with bitterness. (laughs) Okay. Jumping down a few verses. Verse 32. For he is not a man as I am, that I might answer him, that we should come to trial together. There's no arbiter between us who might lay his hand on us both. Let him take his rod away from me, and let the dread of him terrify me. Then I would speak without fear of him, for I am not so in myself.
0: Okay, hold on real quick. That's a Christ prophecy right there. It is.
1: That's one of the reasons why I chose oh, it. <laughs> Such a good one. Because there is a message here. Oh, yeah. There's no arbiter. And again, this is
0: the oldest book in the Bible, okay? This is <laughs> written before... Okay, anyways. Yeah, go Job ahead.
1: wants a Christ. That's right. He he wants he wants an arbiter to stand in the gap between him and God. He says he's not a man like me.
0: <laughs> I was reading. I'm reading C.S. Lewis's Screw Tape letters with my seniors. Oh, I love that. In in letter, I think it's like letter seven. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, screw Tape says to Wormwood. Um, he basically says. You know we don't understand these humans like our enemy does, <laughs> because our enemy has an advantage in the fact that he was he became one of them. <laughs> this is what that's alluding to, right? Yeah, here. yeah,
1: yeah. God knows he's like he's not a man. I wish I had one. I wish I had an arbiter who knew right. who could who could be in between us. Hmm. Uh, but also look at his attitude, though. I mean. Where is it going? It's he's getting very bitter about this. Right. Um, in chapter ten, he continues. Uh, chapter ten, beginning in verse one, I loathe my life. Mm. I will give free utterance to my complaint. I will speak in the bitterness of my soul. I will say to God, Do not condemn me. Let me know why you contend against me. Does it seem good to you to oppress, to despise the work of your hands and favor the designs of the wicked? Have you eyes of flesh? Do you see as a man sees? Are your days as the days of a man or your years as a man's years that you seek out my iniquity and search for my sin, although you know that I am not guilty? And there is none to deliver out of your hand?
0: Huh. Wow. I mean, that's accusation right there. <laughs> now he's boldly saying, basically, why are you favoring wickedness? Yes, okay. He's accusing God of
1: favoring wickedness. In, in fear of, of offending people again, I'm going to go back to the songs that we were talking about last week. Yeah. Why, why is this thus, year after year, when those around us prosper living in wicked year after year. Those are the lyrics to some of these songs we sing. Are they not what Job is saying? Sounds like Job would be singing that song right now. Yes, yes. So, you know, and we're going to see in a minute how God feels about all of this. Right. (laughs) So, um... So So this is some
0: theological argumentation against that song, just saying. Okay, so so
1: so Zophar. Zophar is the third guy. (laughs) He jumps up, and he says, you deserve worse than what you've got. Really? That is so good. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Job responds to him in Job 13 and says, behold, I have prepared my case. I know that I shall be in the right. Who is there who will contend with me? For then I would be silent and die. Only grant me two things. Now he's talking to God. Only grant me two things, and then I will not hide my I will not hide myself from your face. One, withdraw your hand far from me. And two, let not dread of you terrify me. Then call and I will answer, or let me speak, and you reply to me. See, <laughs> this is not how you should handle right. grief. Yeah. Yes, we've lifted up Job in the past, and the first few chapters he did really well in his handling of it, but he's losing it. He's And these guys are not helping. These guys are inciting him to make accusations against right. God, to claim that he has a right to know why this is happening to him. He is declaring that he's righteous and that he's undeserving of any bad things. Um, mm. And finally, he kind of gives the guys his... his. Uh, Wait, was
0: that chapter 13? I'm
1: sorry. Yes, that was chapter 13. Doesn't he say I'm I'm still going to hope in God somewhere? Yes, he, and he makes and I'm not going to you know don't want to put him in a completely bad light. Right. He does respect God and he does continue to lift God up and he does talk about things that God himself will declare, which is kind of interesting. Like he'll say God knows what he's doing. God put the stars in the heavens and he does he starts to say things like that. But then he gets Fired up again, and he makes these types of statements again. So he's really back and forth. He's really mentally kind of unstable. I mean, so much this, of that's like us, point. right? Oh, it's so, so much, much like us. This. Well, we are.
0: God, you're you're everything to me. Ah, oh, but dad gumming, why is this happening? But you yes. know, it's all about where our focus is. But yeah, yeah.
1: Well, and we do that. There are uh, night seasons that right. that we go through where. You know these dark uh, times for the soul, where where our faith is questioned. We, we, I mean, if anyone's honest with themselves, have you truly not questioned your faith at some point, uh, <laughs> given a circumstance, given um, y- y- you know it, it's, this is the human side of us. Right. Well, we have all Christians are cursed with
0: multiple uh, personality disorder. <laughs> well, true. That's <laughs> the reality.
1: So. so in Job sixteen yeah. uh, verse two, he says, "I've heard I've heard many such things. Miserable comforters are you all. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you guys suck. <laughs> yeah, it's like you should have kept your mouth
1: shut. Yeah. Okay. So now I want to move on <clears throat> to the next event that happens, which is a wise young man speaks up. Heck yeah now oftentimes we we tend to look at at younger people as being you know well there's all these scriptures about how the gray hair makes one wise you know that sort of stuff and right but that's not always that's not a a um that that's not a absolute right there is generalization in these some of these passages so right. just because you're an older person. Doesn't necessarily make you wise, uh, and just because you're a young person doesn't necessarily make you dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in, in part of the wisdom an old, older person can have is to recognize that he can still learn something right. from a younger person. That That's is true. wisdom. That there's wisdom in that. Right. Uh, if pride. Begins to get in the way of your wisdom because knowledge and knowledge and wisdom aren't the same thing. You can have a lot of knowledge and not use it well at all, and you're not wise. Okay, Mm -hmm. this guy, uh, that he's a servant with Job's friends, he's there in Job 32, he finally speaks up himself. And uh, so it says there, um, I'm gonna read, um, basically, verse 12 verses here. Okay, he says. So these three men ceased, or this is uh, the narrator. So these three men ceased to answer Job because he was righteous in his own eyes. Then Elihu, the son of Barakal, the Buzite of the family of Ram, burned with anger. He burned with anger at Job because he justified himself rather than God. And he burned with anger also at Job's three friends, because they had found no answer, although they had declared Job to be in the wrong. So they had made accusation, but they couldn't back it up. Now Elihu had waited to speak to Job because they were older than he. And when Elihu saw that there was no answer in the mouth of these three men, he burned with anger. And Elihu, the son of Barachel the Buzite, answered and said, I am young in years, and you are aged therefore I was timid and afraid to declare my opinion to you. I said, let days speak and many years teach wisdom, but it is the spirit in man, the breath of the Almighty that makes him understand. It is not the old who are wise, nor the aged who understand what is right. Therefore I say, listen to me. Let me also declare my opinion. Behold, I waited for your words. I listened for your wise sayings while you searched out what to say. I gave you my attention and behold, there was none among you who refuted Job or answered his words. So he begins now to speak and he, as he says, he rebukes both Job and he rebukes all three of the friends. Right. And, uh, and does so quite well it's it's very it's actually several chapters that this young man that's right gives them a lesson in a accusing one another and being prideful and b um not revering god the the way that you should
0: yeah i love uh, just to point out a couple of verses uh 8 and 9 um to me this correlates so well with uh first timothy um mm-hmm. but it is the spirit in man uh the breath of the almighty that makes him understand we it, it's 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 a good thing to venerate uh, your elders right yes. to consider yes. them wise don't discount that yeah. don't discount that but the point here is the holy spirit is what what makes a man wise mhm right and that's what he's saying, the breath of the Almighty that makes him understand. It's not the old who are wise. Just because somebody's old doesn't mean they know everything. Right. So have you know, be strong if you're you're in the Lord. It's a good thing. Anyways, go ahead.
1: So, um anyway, I just think it's a good life lesson for us to sure. to at least okay, look. Look what Elihu was actually a pretty wise guy. Look what he did. He deferred to them. Right. Because he was waiting on the wisdom. Okay. And that's important. Yep. Okay. Uh there is wisdom that comes with experience. There is knowledge that comes with experience. I can tell somebody something all day long, but unless they go through it, they don't get it. Right. You know, and, and so when you go through it, you get it. And then you have more wisdom that you can impart. Sure. Okay. So there is. Some life experience that can that can yield wisdom and knowledge. Right. So, so you should revere the knowledge of your oh, el- of your elders yeah. and respect it and that sort of thing. And who did that. Did that. Right. He said, "I've been silent. I've sat here and listened to all this nonsense for however <laughs> long it took."
0: Now it's <laughs> now it's time to he say says, something.
1: Now let me talk because I don't think there's any wisdom in what you guys said. And so when that happens. I have seen young men just, for lack of a better term, emasculated for daring to speak against right. an elder sure. or a or someone who is older and wiser and um and, and, and it's like man, I rem- I have had like like here I am, I'm in my mid forties, so that's old to a lot of people. Way old. <laughs> <laughs> so I've I've sat and listened to 20 year olds and go, wow, I've never thought about that. Hmm. And it's and it's like, or you know, should I be discounting all this because they're 20? Because they're half my age? Wow. Of course not. Right. I mean, is it like that would be foolish on my part. That would be a lack of wisdom. That's right. On my part. Um, so it's a so is again take I think there's a lesson here from the book of job sure that teaches us you know a how to comfort people b how not to <laughs> c how to how to treat different age groups in 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 terms of their wisdom and to um and to actually give people the benefit of the doubt right and so so but anyway um after Elihu who gets done kind of putting them in their place after several chapters then the fire happened. The fire starts. The, <laughs> God Himself shows up, right, per Job's requests. That's right. <laughs> All right, Job, I'm here.
0: Let's do this.
1: Now, uh, this is where it gets really interesting. First thing that I that that I take note of God's attitude toward Job. Now, obviously, God loves Job. Sure, I think we got that from the first chapter, even. That's right. I mean, the fact that he was and I'm going to use the term honored enough to be chosen for this task says something. I mean, he even he even declared how good of a guy Job really was. He's like, "Have you seen that there's no one like him in the earth?" Right. Absolutely. <laughs> so so God loves this guy, but God's not happy with him right now. Right. And it's because of these verses that we were reading. It's because of Job's attitude in his and his leaning on his own righteousness instead of God's.
0: Which is the yeah, oh the whole point. So
1: So what does he say in in, uh, in chapter thirty-eight? The Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkens counsel? by words without knowledge dress for action like a man i will question you and you make it known to me where were you when i laid the foundation of the earth tell me if you have understanding who determined its measurements surely you know (laughs) or who stretched the line upon it on what were its bases sunk, or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy, and he continues. Oh yeah, on and on, and I'm glad he does because there's cool stuff in here, right? Uh, he he begins to talk about all creation and how magnificent it is, and how he and how he did all of this. And, his, of course, his point is, Job, what part in all of this did you play? Right. And he's making the point, you've got no right to ask the questions you're asking. You've, not, you've got no right to, to declare yourself righteous, especially in my presence.
0: Right. Um, the point is God is totally set apart from us set apart completely from from all of
1: all of his creation. Yeah. His ways are not our ways. That's right.
0: And his thoughts are not our thoughts. And so the, you know, the meaning of this is is we should never question God's love for us. We should never question the fact that, you know, God has a purpose.
1: Yes. And the fact that God takes offense when you challenge him. Hmm. And so Sorry, going back to last week. That's part of the problem I've got with some of these songs. They actually dare to ask that question. Why am I treated so horribly when other people aren't? And and so we see here that even Job tries. Job tries to to get a word in edge-wise. He tries to say, "Okay, God, I got it. I got it. I got it." And uh God's not done with him. Right. In chapter 40, the first few verses here says, And the Lord said to Job, Shall a fault finder contend with the Almighty? <laughs> he who argues with God, let him answer it. And then Job answered the Lord. So, so God asked him for <laughs> to answer, so Job does. It says, Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I am of small account. What shall I answer you? I lay my hand on my mouth. I have spoken once, and I will not answer twice, but I will proceed no further. And the (laughs) Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, dress for action like a man, because I will question you. Suck
0: it up, man. (laughs) Be a man. And you
1: make it known to me. Will you even put me in the wrong? Will you condemn me that you may be right? Have you an arm like God? And can you thunder with a voice like his? I mean, he just starts into it all right, over yeah. again. And, uh, Adorn
0: yourself with majesty and dignity. Clothe yourself <laughs> with glory and splendor. Pour out the overflowings of your anger and look on
1: everyone who is proud and abased. Yes. Yeah, so, oh man. Which is isn't that what Job was doing <laughs> yeah. to uh, to a degree he was saying I'm righteous. I've got no reason Are why you're righteous, Job. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, God is not happy with this. And and uh, so uh, part of the cool stuff that comes out of here some of the science lessons we get is oh man, uh the, God starts talking about the stars in the heavens. He starts Pleiades. Yeah, the 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 Pleiades, the Orion, uh right. Arcturus, the um the Matzeroth that we talked about yeah. and, and and he's talking about did you have any part in all this and going back to the science stuff that i was talking about before he he does things like can you break the bonds or the influences of the pleiades mm-hmm. or can you break the bands of orion talking about the belt of orion right those things are they all look like they're close together in the sky to all of us, but the writer of Job chose, or God chose, right. to pick these uh, two particular constellations that really are, those stars really are close enough together to have influences on one another, wow. to have gravitational influences on one another. And it's like there's no way that, that a just a, a figurative writer from uh the Jewish culture could have just picked that up and come up with. And it's not just that we, we get the, um, he talks about paths in the seas. Yeah. Roads in the seas. He's talking about the oceanic currents. Right. Those weren't even discovered until much later, like the 1800s. Wow. Um, there's a place in here where he talks about the earth hangs about nothing that's not what the people of this time thought. They thought that the earth sat on the backs of huge animals right. or, God, or God carried it on his shoulder. There was all these theories about where the earth, right. how it was supported. No one thought it just hung in the middle of nothing. Right. But Job says it, it does, hangs in nothing, yeah. which is what we get. There's, a, there's, a, there's several passages that talk about the circle of the earth. The sphere. The word is actually "sphere" in the original Hebrew. The spear of the earth. Wow. No one thought the earth was a sphere at this time. Wow. Uh, and it's just on and on and on. Uh, the the water cycle. You know the 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 evaporation out right. of the, out of the ocean and it coming back down in rain. rain this is described in the Book of Job. Um, we have dug up all these dinosaur bones, bones of of animals that that we currently have no idea where they, they they don't exist anymore. We've got descriptions of animals oh, yeah. in this Leviathan book,
0: Leviathan uh, and Behemoth.
1: Behemoth right and they're only described they're described in such a way that can only be identified by the types of bones we've dug up after the writers wrote these things. Right. So it's just like uh, there's all kinds of cool stuff in this book. Sure. And but not to get ar- away from the point, the point is God is saying, "I know a lot of stuff you guys don't know." Right. And so you needed to stop lifting yourself up at all. Um, so finally, the 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 lesson, the main lesson of Job, comes in the chapter forty-two, hmm. because this is where um, where it all comes to uh, to a head. God kind of he he stops his uh, <laughs> his his
0: diatribe yeah or his uh his <laughs> scolding right <yeah. clears
1: throat> and um and these are I love job's words here because they're so they're beautifully spoken and so heartfelt it says then job answered the Lord and said I know that you can do all things mm and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? So he, that's what God... That was the first thing God said to him. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Hmm. And he's acknowledging it. Right. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, hmm. which I did not know. Hear, and I will speak, I will question you, and you will make it known to me. That's a quote of what he was saying when he says, I spoke of things too wonderful for me, things that I did not know. Right. He had he had said, you know, I will question you, and you will make it known to me. So he's saying, these are things I shouldn't have said. Right. I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear but now my eyes see you therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes
0: the natural response to seeing god yes is
1: repentance it's like i've i, I like what he says here because he didn't physically lay eyes on god god spoke to him through a whirlwind right so, what does he mean by saying, I heard you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you? I think there's. He means he understands. Yes. It's a, he comprehends. It's a figurative thing right. that he's saying. He's saying, I've, the only thing I've ever known about you has been things that have been taught to me, right? I've never experienced you in this way. Right. I've, I've never come in contact with you right. in this way. How many Christians are in that same boat? That's the truth. Man, you've heard it all your life, you've heard it from the pulpit. This you, is the way it is. You this walked is down the it. aisle, you made a confession, you prayed, you went to the bapti- waters of baptism, whatever, but did you come in contact with the very God of the universe at that point did you did you I, I can say that I know I, I I struggle because I converted a very early age, and I want to say I knew God, yeah. But there was a time in my life when I truly converted. It was much later, sure, and it was at that moment I felt like I finally met him. like I actually know him like before he was someone I heard of, but now I see you, I see now, finally, it's like mm. scales falling from your eyes as, as 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 it as it were, it becomes a reality, yes, that's so good. So, but anyway, that's the book of Job in a a nutshell. There are tons of object lessons that we can take, a ton of themes, and we can we could expand on. I mean, for crying out loud, those those guys counsel Job, and Job replies for like twenty chapters. That's longer than a lot of books, right? Right. And then you've got uh, the whole Elihu, his whole um, rebuttal to them is several chapters long. So. You know, you look at Job, and it's 42 chapters, and it's like, what, what's going on? Why is there so many chapters? Right. Well, a lot of it is a lot of dialogue. Um, but that dialogue is there so that we can know what's going on in Job's sure. heart. And a
0: ton of this is poetry. It's so yeah, beautiful. Yeah, well, it's written very eloquently. Yes. And it, But, you know, one of the things that, that pulls out to me is eternal perspective, and I keep going back to that. Um but that's what Elihu focuses on
1: mm-hmm.
0: more than anything. And I, I love his his argument. Listen, you have no clue what God is doing, Job. You don't you don't get it. You think you do with your little minute brain. Right. But what God is doing is something greater than any of us. Right. And so you've got to understand that. And that's when I say Job isn't Job isn't about a man who God makes suffer. Job is a picture, it's a truth of the character or the nature of who God is. Right. And God is not somebody who just makes you suffer. God is somebody who is above all of that mm-hmm. and will have his way in all of that. Yeah. Because he, he's so much more.
1: Well, you know, earlier I had said that I didn't think that Job actually wrote This, yeah, and part of the reason why I say that is because there's a little tidbit here in the last chapter that, or should I say, that's not in the last chapter that, um, we often don't think about. What was Job's entire question? What was his biggest question that he's asking through all that ranting and raving? Why? 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 Why are you making this happen to me? Right. Why, why? Why am I when when I don't see myself as deserving of this? Why? Right. Here's the kicker: God never answered his question. All that talking God did, he never answered that question.
0: That's right. He didn't give Job.
1: An and answer. at the end, when Job finally concedes, and Job says, "Look, I had no right to ask you about these things that are too wonderful for me." That's the point. They're too wonderful to know why. And so he didn't get the answer why. Job didn't know what happened in chapter 1. That's why I don't think Job wrote the book. Job didn't know that there was this council happening in heaven. Right. He didn't know he was the subject of an experiment huh. between <laughs> the Satan and and, and, and God. And, and God. He, he had no idea that that was... That's why if he had had knowledge of chapter one, he probably would have persevered a little better. But because he didn't, it led us to this life lesson about asking why. And are we even qualified to ask why? Right. So I know it's human nature to ask why, but we've got to get to that place at some point where we love God so much, we see him as he is. And not just from what we've heard, but we see him, we get to know him so much so that we we react as Job does at the end of the book. Right. When we say, look, this is too wonderful for me, and I will, I will, I will put it at your feet, and I will trust you. Amen. Because you are the one who's in control.
0: Hmm.
1: And of course, it's only after that that Job receives... The blessings. Right. He gets his health and his life back, basically. Yeah.
0: So. I think it's really interesting, verse 10 of that last chapter, the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he had prayed for his friends.
1: Hmm. Well, you know, his friends just got in trouble.
0: (laughs) Well, and not only that, they had to offer sacrifices and forgiveness, right? Right, right. Right, and then they had to go ask Job for forgiveness. (laughs) And then Job... Praise for his friends mm-hmm. like, yeah, I think that's great Even though There's a great little lesson in that It's a
1: selfless thing
0: Yeah even though His friends were just Total idiots to him mm-hmm. He still prays for them It's good yeah. That's awesome All right Man What a book Great study I love this book And now The news
1: Do you actually have news?
0: Oh yes I do Absolutely. Is it from the
1: Bumblebee thing?
0: Yes, it's all from the Bumblebee thing. <laughs> no. You just treat it like real news. You should just be like,
1: okay, here's the news. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> pastor, or no, the guy finally walks down the aisle after three hours of invitationals. <laughs> I
0: Come. know there's one more out there. Yeah, if, if, for any of our listeners that don't know what we're talking about, go check out the Babylon Bee. It's kind of like the onion for Christians. It's a whole bunch of fake... Oh. But there's a lot uh, of people who going to get Christian way news. offended by it. Oh, probably. I even got one guy offended on my Facebook, but he's a good friend of mine, so it's not big <laughs> so deal. it's okay. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> and uh, he, it's funny about the whole invitation system. He wasn't happy about that. But Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Anyways. All right. Uh, this is actual news. Uh, religious leaders start petition to declare violence against Christians in the Middle East quote unquote genocide. Genocide. On February 4th, the European Parliament passed a resolution declaring Islamic State violence against Christians, uh, Yazidis, and other religious minorities' genocide. The Congress passed its omnibus spending bill in December. The body gave the president until March 17, 2016, to declare whether or not U.S. government would do the same. Doing so would carry major legal ramifications and could compel more significant military action against ISIS because the U S government has been reluctant to label the widespread killing of Christians, major religious leaders, including Mark Burnett and Roma Downey have started a petition to those are
1: religious leaders.
0: Yep. (laughs) (laughs) They are to urge secretary of state, John Kerry to declare a mass killing, enslaving and torturing of Christians and other religious minorities as genocide. I guess when you label it, that, then the government has to take action. Mm-hmm. Basically, it's like forcing their hand, saying, "Okay, now that this is actually genocide, we have to go in and take care of these suckers." So uh, um, that's I think it's interesting. Um, I, I, you know, that is it needs to happen. So, so you have to put a label on it. That's right. You have to put a la- label on it. <laughs> How religious can tourism be? Noah's art pass passes test. Have you heard about Noah's Ark? They're building a Noah's Ark. No. Last month, a federal judge told Kentucky's <clears throat> tourism board that it can't kick the Answers in Genesis Ark Encounter, a follow-up to its nearby Creation Museum, out of a tax rebate program So this is over at Rose? Yep. Attractions wow. because of its Christian focus. The Bluegrass States program works like this. Potential tourist attractions, those that anticipate bringing significant revenues to the state are appraised by outside consultants. The projects qualify. They're getting tax benefits, basically. Mm -hmm. So there's a whole bunch of people that tried to sue Answers in Genesis and say, you can't take these tax cuts because you're a religious uh, thing. And they threw that out of court. So, yeah, it's a gigantic... They're building it right now. It's the ark. They're building an ark there. Uh, And... (laughs) Like full size, a huh? full scale arc, mm-hmm. or wow, yeah. There's really cool pictures of it. You can go on Christianity Today and check it out. But have you ever been to the? I haven't. I, I mean, I've been in that area, but um I love Answers in Genesis. I really do. I don't agree with all their stuff.
1: Yeah, I, I don't either. Um But I think they're really they're they're really good. They're big into that uh, canopy theory stuff. Yeah. And I really don't... The permanent canopy. Yeah, I really don't uh, lean on that. I, I, I prefer you put a lot
0: more on the... The hydroplate theory. Yeah, the hydroplates, which, which I think they share that too. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. But they're just not as...
1: Well, I know they've got that experiment, the little terrarium thing where they've got lizards that have outgrown their size because they're living in right. a canopy system, you know, and all that. So that's interesting. Very interesting. Andy
0: Stanley explains his sink, a stinking selfish parent. comment. Did you hear about the, this whole thing? I <laughs> guess not. I posted something on my Facebook about it. So Andy Stanley, who's a pastor of a gigantic mega church, 30,000 attendees a week. Okay. Um, referred to parents who attend churches too small to have a robust student ministry as, quote-unquote, stinking selfish. (laughs) Wow. Uh, Yeah. In a February 28th message titled, Saved by the Church, Stanley addresses a hypothetical parent who refuses to attend a larger church for the sake of student ministry options for the kids. The sermon uh, circulated online, especially in small church leaders, raised concern about his approach. Basically, he said... He said, when I hear adults say, well, I don't like big church, I I like about 200, I want to be able to know everybody, I say, you are so stinking selfish. You care nothing about the next generation. All you care about is you and your five friends. You don't care about your kids or anybody else's kids.
1: (laughs) Wow.
0: Which was a retarded (laughs) remark. (laughs) (laughs) When you think about it, when you're preaching. And we've all done this before. We've made stupid comments when you're preaching and you go back oh, later and you're like, did I say that? That was stupid. Well, and he's, he's come back on Twitter. He said, <laughs> this is, this is great. Face with the online outcry, Stanley apologized on Twitter saying the negative reaction to the clip from last week's message is entirely justified. Heck, even I was offended by what I said. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> so at least he admits when he's wrong. He was going off on a tangent, and he just overstepped his bounds. Wow! I don't think he hates small churches. I just think he, you know, overstepped his bounds. But I think it's, I think it's rather ironic that Andy Stan- Stanley says this. You know who Andy Stanley is, right? No. Oh my gosh, Charles Stanley. You ever heard of Charles? Yes. Stanley? Charles Stanley's son. Oh, okay. He's a yeah second generation gotcha. mega church pastor. I've met Charles Stanley. I got to stand in his pulpit. It was oh, pretty yeah. epic. Yeah. In a, in a suit. I have a picture of it. It's great. It's a good thing you're wearing a suit. Yeah. I pretended like I was preaching. Yeah, did you have your finger out? Like sure. you were pointing at people? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was great. Um, a bunch of sinners. <laughs> I
1: know someone out there is ready to come forward right now. <laughs> That's true. All right. Uh,
0: I found a really interesting article from Relevant Magazine entitled, What Would Happen If the Church Tithed? It's pretty interesting. And while I'm not an advocate of the word tithe... In in New Testament <laughs> Church, I think this is great. Uh, they have some shocking statistics. Tithers make up only ten to twenty five percent of normal congregation. Only five percent of the U.S. tithes with eighty percent of Americans only giving two percent of their income. Uh, Christians are only giving two point five percent per capita. So by tithing,
1: they're they're talking about ten percent. Yeah. So they're not talking about grain and. No, and animals, right? right You're just because you know that's, that's part of tithing. Yes, 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 <laughs> okay. yes.
0: Again, I don't agree with the term tithing. We'll call it giving. Okay, only five percent. We have to US hold tithing. a pole out to make
1: sure that the animal they. Oh my gosh! I is, give up on you. David. Tall enough <laughs> because they do that. They did that. They would hold out a pole, and if the animal fit under the pole, oh. it was too small to be a tithe.
0: That they would hold out the
1: <laughs> right,
0: <laughs> it's about yay. Oh, yeah, well, that's, that's not amazing. a first fruit, dude. You got to <laughs> take it back. That's great. All right, um, said Christians are only given about two 2.5 percent per capita, while during the Great Depression, they gave uh, a 3.3 percent rate. Mm. That's kind of sad, it's, yeah. That's really
1: horrible. Kind of reminds you of the widow's might, right?
0: Mm-hmm. So, what would happen if Christians tied? Twenty-five billion could relieve global hunger, starvation, and deaths from preventable diseases for five years. Twelve billion dollars could eliminate illiteracy for five years.
1: Or, you could build bigger gymnasiums. That's right, dude, and a, and a bowling alley. Yeah, and <laughs> fifteen billion
0: could solve the world's water and sanitation issues, specifically in places in the world where one billion people live on less than one dollar per day. One billion could fully fund all overseas mission work. One billion dollars fully fund all yeah. overseas. One hundred to one hundred and ten billion would still be left over for additional ministry expansion. Wow! If every Christian oh, gave ten, percent you know what's
1: funny is about these numbers, and and is I saw a similar study one time, and it wasn't talking about Christians needed to give more. What it was saying was, it was like if churches actually. Used right, what they were two percent of what they are get two percent yeah of what they are given for the type of stuff you're reading the statistics for it would cure like world hunger
0: right well yeah if they turned off if all churches in the U S turned off their lights for a month it would cure world hunger
1: yeah it's crazy yeah. But
0: um that was the hole in the gospel
1: yes yes great book it is a great book by the uh, Richard Stearns yeah Richard Stearns the mm-hmm. voice of the no. Uh, World Vision World Vision That's yeah. right The World Vision It's also got his Personal testimony in
0: it It's a good book Pretty powerful mm-hmm. Pretty powerful So oh, You know what That's all I got For tonight man
1: That's all you got Well yeah. you know what I am really out of it Right now I am too <laughs> And we've been talking For a while We
0: have been And I've been talking To teachers Not teachers I am a teacher I've been talking To parents all night long So <laughs> You know Okay well like, Hey I got the new script All right, let's try it out Don't mess it up So, DG, is that me? No Oh (laughs) I'm joking I know my initials This is late (laughs) I give up The Theonauts
1: (laughs) are part of the Great Commission Transmission Network Using new media and social networking to go into all the world And to proclaim the good news to everyone To find out more, go to gctnetwork.com Subscribe to the newsletter And stay up to date with all of our shows Including Finding Christ in Cinema and The Worship Show
0: Visit our website at theonotspodcast.com for show outlines and notes. Also, please join us in praying for one another. You can anonymously confess sins and pray for each other at prayer.theonotspodcast.com.
1: There are several ways to contact us and to leave us feedback. Send us email to theonots at gctnetwork.com. Or call us on our voicemail line at 972-885-7270.
0: Listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or your favorite podcast catcher. Don't forget to leave us comments and rate us, as that helps our show reach a larger audience.
1: Tweet to us on Twitter using at Theonautical. Like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Theonauts.
0: And don't forget to tune in again and explore the vast reaches of God's Word with us.
1: All right. Thanks for being here, Jeremiah. So late. Thank
0: you, David Getty.
1: All right. See you, brother. This has been Theonauts Podcast. Call us with your questions or comments at 972-885-7270. That's 972-885-7270. We'd love to hear from you.
0: You are tuned in to the GCT Network. This is your
1: Great Commission. This is your Great Commission Transmission. At
0: GCTNetwork.com. This is your Great Commission Transmission. This is your Great Commission Transmission. (laughs) I wrote a book.